0: appendices a and b of scrambles amongst the alps by edward whimper this librivox recording is in the public domain appendix a subsequent ascents of the matterhorn mr crawford grove was the first traveller who ascended the matterhorn after the accident this was in august eighteen sixty seven he took with him as guides three mountaineers of the val tournonches j a J. Biche and S. Carrel being the leader. The natives of the Val were, of course, greatly delighted that his ascent was made upon their side. Some of them, however, were by no means well pleased that J. A. Carrel was so much regarded. They feared perhaps that he would acquire the monopoly of the mountain. Just a month after Mr. Grove's ascent, six Val set out to see whether they could not learn the route and so come in for a share of the good things which were expected to arrive. They were the three machinazes, César Carrel, my old guide, J. B. Carrel, and a daughter of the last-named. They left Breuil at 5 a.m. on September 12, and at 3 p.m. arrived at the hut where they passed the night. At 7 a.m. the next day they started again, leaving J. B. Carrel behind and proceeded along the shoulder to the final peak, past the cleft which had stopped Benin, and clambered up the comparatively easy rocks on the other side until they arrived at the base of the last precipice, down which we had hurled stones on July fourteenth, 1865. They, young woman and all, were then about 350 feet from the summit. Then, instead of turning to the left, as Carrel and Mr. Grove had done, Joseph and J. Pierre Maquinaz paid attention to the cliff in front of them, and managed to find a means of passing up, by clefts, ledges and gullies, to the summit. This was a shorter, and it appears to be, an easier route than that taken by Carrel and Grove, and it has been followed by all those who have since then ascended the mountain from the side of Breuil. Subsequently a rope was fixed over the most difficult portions of the final climb in the meantime they had not been idle upon the other side a hut was constructed upon the eastern face at a height of 12526 feet above the sea near to the crest of the ridge which descends towards zermatt northeast ridge this was done at the expense of monsieur Seiler and of the swiss alpine club monsieur zeyler placed the execution of the work under the direction of the Knubels, of the village of st nicholas in the zermatt valley and peter Knubel, along with joseph marie Lochmatter of the same village had the honour of making the second ascent of the mountain upon the northern side with mr elliot this took place on july twenty fourth and twenty fifth eighteen sixty eight since then numerous ascents have been made and of these the only one which calls for mention is that by signor giordano on September three to five eighteen sixty eight this gentleman came to Breuil several times after his famous visit in eighteen sixty five with the intention of making the ascent. But he was always baffled by weather in July eighteen sixty six He got as high as the cravate with J. A. Carrel and other men, and was detained there five days and nights, unable to move either up or down. At last, upon the above-named date, he was able to gratify his desires, and accomplished the feat of ascending the mountain upon one side and descending it upon the other. Signor Giordano is, I believe, the only geologist who has ascended the Matterhorn. He spent a considerable time in the examination of its structure, and became benighted on its eastern face in consequence. End of Appendix A APPENDIX B. DENUDATION IN THE VALLEY OF THE DURANCE In the summer of 1869, whilst walking up the valley of the Durance from Mont Dauphin to Briançon I noticed, when about five kilometres from the latter place, some pinnacles on the mountain slopes to the west of the road. I scrambled up and found the remarkable natural pillars which are represented in the annexed engraving. They were formed out of an unstratified conglomerate of gritty earth, boulders, and stones. Some of them were more thickly studded with stones than a plum pudding usually is with plums, whilst from others the stones projected like the spines from an echinoderm. The earth, or mud, was extremely hard and tenacious, and the stones embedded in it were extricated with considerable difficulty. The mud adhered very firmly to the stones that were got out but it was readily washed away in a little stream near at hand. In a few minutes I extracted fragments of cyanite, mica-schist, several kinds of limestone and conglomerates, and some fossil plants characteristic of carboniferous strata. Most of the fragments were covered with scratches, which told that they had travelled underneath a glacier. The mud had all the character of glacier mud, and the hillside was covered with drift. From these indications, and from the situation of the Pinnacles, I concluded that they had been formed out of an old moraine. The greatest of them were sixty to seventy feet high, and the moraine had therefore been at least that height. I judged from appearances that the moraine was the frontal terminal one of a glacier which had been an affluent of the great glacier that formerly occupied the valley of the Durance, and which during retrogression had made a stand upon this hillside Near Sacha. This lateral glacier had flowed down a nameless vallon which descends toward the east-southeast from the mountain called upon the French government map Somme de l'echa eight thousand seven hundred and forty feet. Only one of all the pinnacles that I saw was capped by a stone, a small one, and I did not notice any boulders lying in their immediate vicinity of a size sufficient to account for their production in the manner of the celebrated pillars near Botzen. The readers of Sir Charles Lyell's Principles, 10th edition, volume 1, page 338, will remember that he attributes the formation of the boats and pillars chiefly to the protection which the boulders have afforded to the underlying matter from the direct action of rain. This is no doubt correct. The boats and pinnacles are mostly capped by boulders of considerable dimensions. In the present instance this does not appear to have been exactly the case. Running water has cut the moraine into ridges, shown upon the right hand of the engraving, and has evidently assisted in the work of denudation. The group of pinnacles here figured belonged, in all probability, to a ridge which had been formed in this way, whose crest in course of time became sharp, perhaps attenuated. In such a condition very little stones upon the crest of the ridge would originate little pinnacles. Whether these would develop into larger ones would depend upon the quality of the stones embedded in the surrounding moraine matter. I imagine that the largest of the Sacha pinnacles owe their existence to the portions of the moraine out of which they are formed having been studded with a greater quantity of stones and small boulders than the portions of the moraine which formerly filled the gaps between them, and, of course, primarily to the fact that glacier mud is extremely tenacious when dry, and is readily washed away. Thus the present form of the pinnacles is chiefly due to the direct action of rain, but their production was assisted, in the first instance, by the action of running water. End of Appendix B End of Scrambles Amongst the Alps by Edward Wimper